1: Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. On today's episode, I talked to John from Boy and Bear, and it's a wonderful chat. And props to John. Um, he'd just landed and just got to his hotel uh, in London from Australia, and uh, he, uh, he he done one of them things where really he kind of pushed his face right near the, 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 the camera on Zoom and, and to show me just how bloodshot his eyes were. So bless him. He, he made a massive effort. And, and then obviously the minute I press record, I then start firing all these questions at him, regressing him back to his childhood and school and earliest memories. And, and he was absolutely delightful and, and chose some fantastic records. Um, we have a, a, a really, really lovely chat. Before we get on with that chat a few things. So let me tell you a bit of news I've found out today. It's the 10th of October today on the I'm recording. So this this will be coming out a little while after obviously. Had a big chat with Hotel Chocolat, official sponsors uh, of Off the Beaten Track podcast 2022. Um let me just say official po- uh, podcast sponsors of Off the Beaten Track podcast 2023. Um, they're really happy with what we've been doing, and they're now going to be sponsoring us next year, which is great because that that really helps, um, you know, with the production costs and, and 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 getting everything sorted to to give you two episodes every week. So um, yeah, big shout outs to Hotel Chocolat. They're, we're going to be doing lots more with them. When um, we was chatting about what we can do, there's going to be some events. Uh, there's going to be, uh, I think, there's going to be some little radio shows. Um, that and, and for those that are patrons of this podcast, you 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 know that um you get uh, certain radio shows anyway. But I think we're going to do something a little bit more uh, special. Um, so really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, there's lots of ideas being uh, thrown around, which will um yeah enable uh, two things: me to do more really interesting fun stuff, and B tell you about how nice their stuff is because I don't know if I have to because you've all had chocolate from Hotel Chocolat right whether you're vegan or not you know they cater for everything and it's top level stuff you know but you've probably heard me mention it before but their alcohol range is off the chart you know whether it be their vodkas or their gins I always like to get excited about the creamy cocktails. So imagine a nice creamy drink, uh, mint chocolate. It's divisive mint chocolate, I know, but if you like mint chocolate, oh my God, you will not find a better bit of booze than the Hotel Chocolat mint chocolate oh my god it's ridiculous um they do a salted caramel they do a chocolate they do an espresso martini and rumor has it there's something special coming christmas time i'll keep you updated on that um but yeah we're going to be doing some competitions with them as well uh and so yeah i'm just really really thrilled i had angus the, the the owner on the podcast a couple of years ago and got on so well with him and and you know really got into his you know his passion for music and you know he was such an interesting dude, and we we got chatting afterwards, and you know he offered to to to, to help with a podcast, and so yeah, that that conversation you know started a you know a two year relationship that's now going into a three year relationship. So um, thank you so much, uh, Hotel Chocolat, Angus, and all the team over there for agreeing to sponsor this podcast next year. So that means plenty more podcasts for you, listeners. Um, big thanks to Scroobius Pip as well. Obviously, him that owns the Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Um, did you catch the, um, uh, the the podcast series I've done with Pip um, called Tell Me About It? Uh, five episodes, mini-series, uh, long-form interviews with Pip. Um, go check that out. Um, it's a really lovely chat. We're going to be doing another series of that soon. Um and a biggest thanks always go to you smashers um oh do you know what I want to tell you quickly I know I talk about patreon all the time, but we recorded the second patreon chat last week and we done um we got a load of people on all the Patreons popped on zoom and uh, and it was so nice um we worked out our I could play music as well on the zoom chat we've recorded it and and it's it's available now on patreon I will put it out on here at some point um but um Everybody turned up and we done uh first time I remember hearing ha- having an emotional impact on you. And everybody brought their songs along and we played them and everybody told their little stories. And, and we just, yeah, we all got to infuse about each other's records. And it was just lovely. If you like just kind of getting excited about music and, and there's no snobbery involved. There was some some cheesy tunes on there. There was some uh, absolute in, insane level electronic hardcore Um It was just a real mixed bag, uh, totally non-judgmental. You've listened to this podcast before, you know I'm not judgy. You know, music's there to be enjoyed, whatever. Um, And yeah, we had a lovely chat, and we're going to do them each month over on Patreon. So um, it costs you a dollar a month, and that dollar a month, I know, I know there's a cost of living crisis, and I know times are tough, um, but I think it works at about twenty pence a week, and for that you get. you get to watch all the episodes. I put all the videos up over on Patreon. So if you like watching your podcast, you can watch them all over there. Um, I put up radio shows. I put up lots of playlists. I curate little playlists. And now, obviously, we do the the live shows as well. And I'd uh, and love to have you along. I should point out, if you're shy, then that's fine. You don't have to have the camera on and you don't have to have your mic on. You can just... Uh, lurk about and uh not in a sinister way, uh and just, just watch it and, and enjoy it. And uh yeah. So that's over on patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. And if you do sign up as well, um you get access to the huge back catalogue as well. There's hundreds and hundreds of radio shows and videos and God knows what. So you can just come feast on that if you feel like you need any more of my annoying Essex lisp in your ears. Um anyway Let's get some, uh, some good chat going. Please enjoy Off The Beat & Track podcast with Boy and Bear. It's Off The Beat & Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we are recording. John, how are you today?
2: I'm doing really well, Stu. Doing really well.
1: Good, good, good. I mean, that's a massive lie. I mean, we've just had a chat, and you've just landed from a massive flight to the UK. Yeah. But, but hey, it's
2: a sunny day in London, and that's rare. They're few and far between, so when you get them, you you love it.
1: Wicked, wicked. Oh well, it's good to have you in the UK. Um, let, before we do anything, let's start with track one because that's what we always do. And I want to ask you, please, mate. How, what, how you went about? these questions before we even get into track one actually did you find any of them tougher than the others
2: no i didn't i didn't really like i don't know if you have the same questions for every interview we do, yeah because it, it felt like the questions in way had been written for me because i guess it sort of I, it was one of those things where i didn't have any like there was no hesitation for me about what the answer was excellent So it felt very natural
1: yeah. oh good stuff well, tell me, please, the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please.
2: So I've chosen Love Like a Sunset Part 1 by Phoenix, which I think is track three on their, I don't know what year it was, maybe 2009 album? To, yeah. Earth, the one that won, won all the awards and yeah. did all the thing.
1: Yeah, what a record that is, man.
2: Amazing record. And I, if people haven't listened to it, you definitely should check the track. It's got like a marimba at the start and it's got the granddaddy of all synthesizers mixed with a marimba, like how that works, I couldn't tell you, but there's... And I mean, like for me, I always think of Phoenix as a vocal, like band, like there's, it's, they're singing in the music, I guess, yeah. to, to not sound ridiculous, but to, to pick track three of the record and with a idiosyncratic singer with great melodies and, you know, French people singing English, but to make track three without any vocals, like, it's so bold as well. Yeah. Like,
1: so, yeah, I love it. When it comes to intros, um, wh- wh- when the band started, John, I'm sure that people would have got their music, your band, this is, uh, um, when, and probably Phoenix as well, when when, they first, you know, you both started putting records out for the first time, the way people would get their music is way different to how they get their music now. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm always fascinated to to talk about this with songwriters because my, my, my children are teenagers and I watch them with their their thumbs and they're very very rapid thumbs on their screens and and their attention spans are very very short yeah. um and and they're they're sort of sitting in the back of my car and something come on and they're singing along and I'm like how do you know this song and they're like oh it's on TikTok and oh, I'm God. like oh okay right and and so I just wonder because it it and from speaking to other musicians as well, it feels that there's a lot of attention from, I guess, maybe more commercial pop acts to get on them Spotify playlists. That's that's the key now. You know, that's as important yeah. as radio. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And so I just wonder, when it comes to writing songs and, and essentially intros, John, how much of these things like TikTok and attention spans and playlists, how much of that filters through into your creative process, if at all?
2: yeah i think like probably for us anyway we try and not let any of that stuff come in maybe until right at the end so by right at the end i mean we just try and make the song sound like we think the song should sound to us and so that might be a a long intro or a long outro or a meandering bit or you know an instrumental verse or like it, it I guess we tr- we we try not to think about ahead of time whether that's going to fit onto any particular format yeah um we just we just do the creating bit and don't th- try not to be analytical in the creating bit um and then certainly like sometimes um when you've got a song and we've got demos circulating cuz we we're, we're a band that records demos like a lot of people do And then you kind of live with those for a while and then you then you eventually might re-record or you might keep half the demo and record some new parts there might be a discussion like oh it's a pretty long song when it's a really long intro like one of our songs for example um southern sun which was on a record we did in 2014 um maybe it came out in 2013 anyway whatever um but that had quite a long intro that for, you know, a radio edit got made for that. And someone suggested to us, you should do this, otherwise, you know, radio won't play it because radio was a thing at the time. Yeah. And so we're open to those things, I guess. Like, I want people to be able to hear the song as we intended it on an album. But at the same time, it doesn't, like, we're not too sort of proud to go, oh, if, if it still makes sense, like, if you can still make the song make creative sense, with an edit that somebody suggests because they really believe that's going to be able to help them to market the song better, and those those ideas will often come in from label people or managing yeah. people. to Go, and they'll they'll probably have mocked it up themselves and said we think this will really work, and if we like if we if we can get on board, we're open to it. But we probably um, don't tend to get into those thoughts ourselves, um, you know, in the creative process.
1: It feels like just kind of getting the balance right doesn't it you don't want to compromise it in any way but you know the yeah. uh, the flip side of it is you obviously you want as many people to hear your music as yeah. possible so it's just that getting that that compromise right I guess
2: yeah exactly
1: I'm going to take you back for track two and I'm going to ask you please to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please
2: so the emotional impact song for me is Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel
1: yeah that'd do it wouldn't it <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me about your early early memories of that.
2: So when I hear that song, when I hear the opening, like bars of the piano playing it, I like picture my parents' lounge room when I was growing up. And like when I think about it now, they had a terrible setup for a stereo, like the the kind of the record player was in one corner and then there was one speaker there. And then there was another speaker all the way in the other wall in the corner, because it was obviously just, you know, that sort of made sense with where the furniture was, but it made no sense to listen to a stereo that way. Yeah. My younger brother and I, who were in the band together, we loved that record. And there was just something about that particular song. Like, I mean, I love the whole record, but that song, I I imagine afternoons with the sun coming through when you come home from school. And records weren't like because I'm not old enough that records were the only thing then. Like when I was growing up, it was tapes, and then it went to CDs. But mum and dad had this record cabinet with sliding doors on it, a wooden record cabinet. And it had a certain smell and there was a certain thing to it. And that was the one like that was the record for my brother and I. And for me, that was the song. Like there was something about in that third verse when he sings about Ceylon Silver Girl. And your time has come to um, to shine your, all your dreams on the way. Like the the images that that conjures up in one's mind, I think Paul Simon is a genius. Yeah. There's no question. And I and like the but the combination for me is is there. Like I've listened to interviews with Paul Simon, and he's a he's an interesting guy. Mm. And he's sort of he's very torn about that song because he feels like you know he never really got to own the song because it became really famous. It made Arthur Funkle. Sort of famous, but I feel like there's something in that tension of a song written by Paul Simon, but sung in in, in Archy voice in that spot in his range, and you sort of I, it needs both of them for me to for it to be what it is, and and the piano playing in that is just like otherworldly. So yeah, I love it.
1: It's well documented, isn't it? The sort of uh, that the, they weren't best friends, and 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 I think most whether it's Morrissey and Ma, you know, there's, there's always yeah. going to be that, that friction. And, and, you know, you, it, it brings out magic a lot of the time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that, that, that track itself, Art Garfunkel's vocals just soar. They, they, they go somewhere, somewhere different yeah, on that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Paul Simon could not have smashed that vocal like that, not in a million yeah. years. And he's a genius, make no mistake. But that, that song is a combination that, that 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 just makes something truly, truly beautiful. You you mentioned the um, record cabinet uh, at home full of vinyl. Was was home quite musical? Was there always records on at home?
2: So weirdly, no. So my parents, as much as they had music there, they didn't sort of put it on. Like my, like mum played the piano like she played piano in church. I remember when I was a kid, she'd play piano or play the organ. And I always thought that sounded really cool. Um, And so sometimes she would just sit and play it at home. And so we had some, you know, music lessons when we were young, but I don't like a lot of people have those memories. I don't have memories of mum and dad putting music on apart from in the car. Like it was almost like us, I guess, being little kids wandering around touching everything and being like, oh, there's a record cabinet. What's that? So, yeah, it was almost a discovery from us as opposed to hearing the music mum and dad were playing. Cause I, I feel like, like my dad's taste in music is terrible, apart from the fact that I guess he bought the records, but yeah. then kind of had moved on to. I remember when I was growing up, dad, I don't mean this, in a, I think there's a cool place for Enya cause there's like, it's actually aged well, Enya's yep. music. But at the time, I was just like, what are you listening to, dad? Cause yeah. I guess we were in the 90s and it was the grunge era, but, um, But yeah it was cool hearing because that was so different to i guess what they had in the record cabinet was so different to what was on the radio at the time and what people at school were talking about so i guess it was sort of yeah our own little journey
1: yeah you mentioned school then let's uh let's move on to school for track three and tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school please john
2: so for me school is like is like there's a few bands but pearl jam really stands out to me and I I feel like the first the first album I really got into myself, like I remember buying it, although it wasn't the first record I bought, was um, the album Vitalogy, which had a really cool, like it was almost like they were replicating a, a vinyl thing with a CD with the way the cover was. And I loved this song Nothing Man on there. I mean, I love a lot of that album, but Nothing Man really stood out to me. I think I've always had a... I, I think I've always had a weakness for 6.8 songs. Yeah. Like, not to be too technical about it because I guess that's not very technical, but there's a certain feel to the way that, that a, a 6.8 beat moves versus, like, what we normally think of as a 4.4, and, yeah. and it's kind of sad. And it's a technique that works for a lot of people, but it's, like, a low song song where he then sings an octavire, and that does emotional things sort of yeah. thing. And yeah, I I feel like there's a... They're a great band, Pearl Jam, where maybe I think like, they had some really cracking albums and then they, they kept going and then Eddie Vedder went and did the solo thing. But I think there was magic in those first three records. And Vitalogy for me was like, if you think of it as a grunge band, like Nothing Man isn't a, a grunge song. It's sort of something else altogether. But I feel like it showed that there was real songs behind just the sounds.
1: It, it's really weird that you chose that as... as, as- you, you, the first Pearl Jam record because for, uh, you know, being of an age myself where I, I called 10 when it came out and then, you know, it, like like anybody else that was in the guitar music at that point, it, it just, you know, yeah. there, there was a lot happening in guitar music oh, at yeah. that point and, yeah. and it wasn't happening in the UK. We was all looking to Seattle for, uh, you know, for, for answers and 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 10 was absolutely incredible and then Verses come out which was more of the same, you know, and it was like, this is incredible and then for me and 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 so many of my friends, when Vitality dropped, it was like, Huh? What's this yeah. track, Rats? What the fuck's this? This is not Jeremy. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah, and it yeah. kind of took it all and twisted it all. it's probably my favourite that and yield are my favourite records now. But yeah. it, it took me a while to adjust to, to Vitality yeah. because it was such a I think they were just kicking against the press, then kicking against anybody, yeah. you know, sort of expecting them to deliver more of the same. I think they just made the record that they wanted to make. And, yeah, nothing, man. And better man's on that as well, which is incredible. Okay. Uh...
0: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at com slash ACAST. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Yeah, I, I think you've hit on something there because like I loved Versus and Ten as well. But if I think about the songs that my brother and I tried to play on guitar at home, they were like off vitality.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
2: yeah, it wasn't, yeah, there was something, Yeah. That's that's a I never kind of had put it together in my head, but of course, yeah, it makes sense. I like kind of hearing it back from you.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I, I saw them about about three months ago. They played in Hyde Park in London, and and I, whenever they're in the UK, I see them. I, I think as a band, I don't know if you ever watched the the Cameron Crow Pole Jam Thirty documentary. Film. I haven't seen it. Oh, John, it's it's incredible. He's documented them right from back in like Green River and Mother Love Bone, oh, yeah. and he's just literally documents their whole career. And he's so and, and and you watch it, and one of the things you draw from it is like, not many bands last that long as as a unit, and they've got it worked out, and it's yeah. incredible. And you just get a peek into that kind of brotherhood, and it's 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 done so well. It's it's, it's one of my favorite ever music docs and and i've only recently just kind of got into um the have you heard the record that um that eddie done with um uh oh god who's the irish musician from uh what used to be in the, the band the frames um i can't think what Are you Glenn yeah that that um film score they done together is it into the wild i think like
2: Oh, I'm definitely
1: heading into the wild. Oh, was, gee, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to have to tell someone that they need to come back at my hotel room. No worries, mate. So for listeners, I'm not going to pause it. I'm just going to tell you, like, John has literally just landed from Australia into uh, the UK. Uh, uh, and so, uh, yeah, he must be uh, a very tired man. But he's back. He's sorry. back. I thought he'd done I'm a back, runner. Back. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Back. Tell me a little bit about school. Did you enjoy it? I did,
2: yeah. I guess, like, I don't think about it a lot now, but it was like, yeah, I, I certainly like I remember people saying school years will be the best years of your life. I completely disagree with that for me. Yeah. But I wasn't, it wasn't bad. It just was just like, yeah, I went through school, but I don't sort of reflect on the school years too much now.
1: Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school?
2: No. Like, I mean, I, 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 I was always into music. I was always trying to be in bands or being in bands. But I didn't really think of that as something I would do as a career, I guess, because I didn't know anyone who did it. So like you could look at, like we talk about Pearl Jam, you could look at those sort of international stars and that was a thing. But I didn't, like I'd never, I never knew anyone who was a professional musician, let alone like playing in a band who did that as a living. So it kind of seemed like a fantasy, sort of a faraway thing. So no, I didn't, I didn't really know. I just, I, I liked, yeah, I, I had hobbies that I was into. I like sport as well, like sport and music. Which, but then, you know, I was also interested in in reading and uh, sort of I like literature as well. So, but I, I didn't. I was definitely like my my missus is the opposite of me. She's one of those people who knew what she wanted to do from when she was fourteen and got onto a path and kind of went towards it. Whereas yeah. I was a I was a meanderer and just kind of got my way there
0: eventually. Yeah.
1: Most musicians say that as well. (laughs) Um, I I was really interested in in, in what you said there because about um, not really sort of seeing that anybody from where you was from was making it in music, and you know you was saying you sort of look into you know the big American rock acts and things like that. What was happening around those sort of formative years for you when you was getting in bands and playing in bands like? in australia like what what sort of music was, was was happening that was exciting you that that might have said that you know well if, if they've done it possibly we could
2: yeah i think like because of the way like the way sydney is as a city I so i grew up in sydney and i guess sydney is a bit like like london or los angeles it's like it's a big sprawling city and i was a long way out in the suburbs so There wasn't like a gig scene there or anything. And so the the kind of gigs that you could go to when you were in high school were really those sort of arena gigs, I guess, or stadium gigs. And so they were the kind of things like I remember going and seeing – Pearl Jam was one of my first gigs, like when I was, I don't know, 15 or whatever. And it was the, you'd get on the phone to the ticket company. You had to wait on the phone for ages. You'd be calling back. It was engaged because, you know, tickets would be released in the morning. like that. So I have those memories of those experiences of trying to go to those big shows, but I don't really, like, I was never part of a scene. If there was like a, a thing, it was just like other school bands that you would see play sure. those type of things. But I didn't, I guess there were definitely Australian bands doing cool things, but because it was, because of the nature, I guess, of the way like I heard about music was from my friends or you would see it in magazines. It it tended to be like, and on the radio, it tended to be like bigger, bigger acts. So, um, and I was like, I was at school in in the nineties. So it was very much kind of grunge era stuff. Like Nirvana was massive. Um, and I was into that Pearl Jam. And then I'm sort of trying to think that probably was like, like I definitely like more things than that. I had um, a friend who was kind of into the heaviest sort of side of things and we played in the band together. So he was into sort of Metallica and Megadeth. And I was like all of the Fairweather Metallica fans. And I, I enjoyed Black Album. Like I thought that was really cool because I'm not saying they don't have songs on other records, but that, that record has songs.
1: I don't know exactly like, what you're saying. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and and so I kind of got a bit on that edge of it. And then, um, but it was, you know, like uh, Chili Peppers, love the Red Hot Chili Peppers as well. And they were a band where you could really discover from album to album. Like stylistically, they went in some pretty cool directions as well. Um, And my friend was a really good bass player, so he loved the Chili Peppers because of was playing. So, Um, but I mean, I'm naming like the biggest bands of the time, but I feel like that's kind of, The level at which music kind of got to me when I was fourteen or fifteen.
1: So, yeah, and I think it's really interesting that uh, uh, at that point in in music that the biggest bands in the world. I'm you know watching like MTV Awards, and whereas now it's all essentially commercial pop music or R and B acts. Like the biggest bands in the world were Pearl Jam, REM, you know, Chili Peppers, and like. You and know. Oasis
2: came in yeah. and that I mean I'm sorry like what's the story Morning Glory massive album but every song on it is worth being on that album like my go- my first girlfriend loved that record and so I listened to the whole thing even though I knew the singles we used to listen to- and then you're know, like I-, I still know every song on that album and it's sort of it's a testament that the the quality was there the whole way through on the songwriting as well
1: John I talk about this quite a lot because a lot of people mention Oasis on this on this podcast yeah. mate and 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 you nailed it there because that second record, Noel Gallagher had such conf I mean, he's a confident man anyway, yeah, you know, yes. him and his brother oh, and yes. not missing yeah. out on confidence. Like they got that in bucket loads. But when I look at the single, some might say, and I bought the C D single of that, and the B sides, the the, the B sides, right, are acquiesce and talk tonight. He's that fucking confident. He's yeah. like, oh I'll stick them on a B side. How many bands would give their right arm to write Acquiesce? And yeah. like it's like, oh we're right on a B side. Like he must have just thought I've got another twenty of these in my back pocket. Yeah. Like and and yeah. there's something about that point in Oasis's you know career that I think that was their peak, that was I I think musically their peak and and yeah, that record just it screams confidence, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I was always like uh, no, more on the Oasis thing of the Blur divide. As much as I dug Blur, and I love what Damon Alvin's done, like, you know, he's, he's a fascinating guy. Mm. But There was just something with the Oasis thing. There was an attitude and there was a, I don't know, maybe because I was from the suburbs and the working class kind of thing coming through and that, that, that real like, you know, that niggle. Yeah. I,
1: I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they, had it. they definitely had it. They've still got a niggle. I, I literally saw uh, a, a thing on social media of, um, I think Liam had just been awarded some godlike genius award from the NME. And he was like, oh, I knew I was godlike the minute I was born. And I just thought, <laughs> it just <laughs> doesn't ever come off the gas with a confidence. I love it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You mentioned record um, stores earlier. So I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song you remember buying from a record shop, please.
2: So I had to, this actually was the hardest question for me because I'm not even convinced I've given the right answer, but I really tried to remember the first thing like I I, I had in my mind to go and buy because maybe I went with my parents beforehand and bought something without really knowing what I was buying. But I definitely bought Nirvana Nevermind because I, I, I like this girl at school and the guy who she was dating at the time was really into Nirvana. And then his friend taught me how to play come as you are on guitar. Like that was the first song I learned on guitar. So I went bought the CD and of course the the infamous famous cover, you know, it felt kind of naughty and weird and you, you didn't quite understand like the reference or anything. Yeah. Of, of the, and there was just a, there was a whole thing with Nirvana, but I, I loved that album. I mean, I probably love everything they ever put out. Um, and I really loved the acoustic record. They did the Love in New York one as well. Oh, but another one just had a, a certain thing to it. The tones, like when I listen to it now, because every now and then I'll put it on again and you listen back and you're like, oh, wow, they they really were going for a different thing sonically than maybe like, because probably my sweet spot is more like sort of 70s sound. Like I, I love the tones of the 70s. Um, and I can probably take or leave the 80s and and for my, I mean, there's some great stuff in the 80s. Don't get me wrong. You talked about the Smiths before. Um, but then, like, you listen to it now and you're like, oh, it's like they were really responding to a lot of things. But the, the viscerality of the music was so, as a teenager, as a teenage kind of person trying to understand whatever they were feeling and, you know, kind of going through those, I guess, changing phases. Yeah. There was something in Nirvana that just kind of got like got straight to the point. Hundred
1: percent, and and I was lucky. I I spoke to Butch Vig on this podcast about that record, and wow. and, 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 and 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 essentially, and the, the fact that Pearl Jam and Nirvana were constantly compared, and and I understand that they were both rock bands from Seattle, but you know, Pearl Jam at that point were, were writing kind of trad seventies guitar rock, really, weren't they? And yeah. whereas, you know. For me, I still to this day think Nevermind is the greatest pop record ever made. There's every single song on there is just got so many hooks, and it's yeah. like you can play any one of them songs in a club, in a, in a rock club, and people respond. Stay away, drain you, I mean, drain you for an intro. That's one of the yeah. greatest intros Definitely. ever. Yeah. And like every single track on there, it's got a more polished production, hasn't it, than, than what yeah. Albini done, and 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 yeah. But I, I and I know that. I don't know how true it is, but Kurt apparently wasn't massively fond of what the production that Butch Vig done on that record. But I think it works. I think it's really got a not a, a kind of it's gritty, but it's got a sheen to it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's that's. I feel like that was the almost the the thing. Like it was that it was that garagey thing polished up in a way that really came out of the speakers at you. And the yeah. vocal production and the, those vocal takes are insane. Yeah, like when you listen back to it, like. You can say what you will, that guy, like, you know, in terms of, like, singers throughout history, it, 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 when you kind of get that coming together of what he's singing about and how he's singing and how it's delivered, like, you can't, you can do something different, but you can't do something better than that. Yeah. In my opinion, that's just, like, yeah, it hits you. Like, it's that thing, I guess, for me, we've, we've, we, we did have a category about, you know, the emotional thing about it, but I think every song I've chosen has something where there was an emotional response immediately yeah. that you might have tried to understand later. And we can sit here and talk about why do we think that is. But the fact is it just existed before the reasoning. So yeah. that was the cool thing about it.
1: Absolutely. Right, we're going clubbing. Track five. Tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please, John.
2: So for me, it's One More Time, Daft Punk. Okay. Um yeah, didn't have had no idea who dark punk was before the you know like i wasn't i wasn't hip to it at all um as much as i think they're they're a band who's always like they've always when you go back into the back catalog before always really cool interesting stuff um i love the whole french aesthetic like i picked phoenix before i guess if i could have found a way to shoehorn air into this list i would have done that as well but um but yeah, I just really remember that. I remember because I wasn't really a clubbing guy, but I had a friend who was, and I remember going out, and I was like, "What is this song?" Like, and it just was so repetitive, but somehow it wasn't. Um, it wasn't boring. Like, that's a very hard thing to do to kind of, and they've done it for years, yeah. being able to kind of get to the essence of what the song is and be able to give you enough of it. But then enough subtle variation and changes, and yeah, and the grooves are always insane. From yeah. um, sorry, from Phoenix too, but no, from Dark Punk, yeah,
1: absolutely. I'll t- I tell you what, there was an, an Australian band that that never really blew up over here, but I, I loved I loved their first record, and it was you mentioned Air, and I just got sent this this track once. Like, so I, I've got a club and I'm I'm a DJ, so yeah. uh, I used to get sent all the promos, and this was would have been like sort of mid to late 90s, and I got sent this this. This song called uh Enter Space Capsule by this band called Girling. Oh yeah, Girling look great. Man. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I, I I was like, I need to hear more from this band. It was like really spacey electronics. And then I heard this track called Death to the Apple Girls, which was like sounded like fucking pavement. I was like, this band's mental. It's like every single yeah. song's just like yeah. completely different. And they never really happened over here. And, yeah. and it's such a shame. Like I, they just They made a big racket for like three lads.
2: Yeah, and the the, one of the guys from Girling is has produced some really really cool stuff. Oh really? Yeah, I'm like I'm trying to I'm gonna get I'm gonna get names wrong, but I know he's done a bunch of stuff with Courtney by now. He's another. No way. Yeah, but some really really cool things. Like he he just yeah obviously um, they Girling had a thing, but like you say they kind of came and went, yeah. but he's still making cool records now. He's worth – his name is Burke uh, – Burke Reed. I think. That's it, is. that's it. He's worth, worth checking out. Anything he's been involved in, there's usually something going to it.
1: Oh, nice, nice. Oh, that's good to hear there's still exciting things happening because that, that, yeah. that record was, was absolutely fantastic. Okay, well, I'm going to take you home. And for track six, tell me a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please.
2: So I've chosen – um Oh, I had a brain fade for a second. I'm back with you. <laughs> Ballpark Ball Music, the, yes. the band is, and the song's called "Cherub." Um,
1: Tell me a little bit more about that.
2: So, Ballpark Music were a band. They've been around a, not like kind of around the same time we had. They came about in the early 2010s, and I remember having them on a support tour. Like maybe it was even 2011. Yeah. So back in the days, so we got to know them a little bit. And then you sort of see them around on the scene. But I haven't seen them, like I haven't caught up with them for years. But I always, they had some, they're, they're a kind of a a classic, like in inverted commas, classic sort of five-piece setup, like some guitars and keyboards and things. But the songwriting is really idiosyncratic to me um, and the production's always cool and they do all this stuff themselves. So um, they've they're the kind of band, like, they put out a lot of music. Like, maybe it's, like, on average kind of an album a year, which is pretty prolific. And they've just sort of done a, like, I guess some people have a really big album and then they sort of struggle to kind of
1: keep
2: with it after that. But these guys have just kept growing and growing and growing. And I feel like they just keep writing songs that are unconventional pop songs that immediately get into your head and just stay there, but they're not the kind of ones that get annoying after a while. And they put this song out a couple of years ago and I just straight away, yeah, I think it's my favourite song of theirs Um, and it's definitely my favourite song, like Australian song in like kind of in my adulthood, I guess. Like the stuff I love from being a kid, but this is something I think it's special.
1: Okay. I'm going to ask you to to give us something else special now um, because for the last track, I'm going to ask you for a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear.
2: Okay, so for that one, I've chosen, um, it's a band called Here We Go Magic and the song is called, Now I definitely have forgotten that now. Hang on, here we go. Okay, Alone But Moving. I That's knew the sorry. record was a, a different ship is the record, but I forgot the, the song title. Sorry, it's my, my jet lag addled brain. But yeah, um, Alone But Moving. It's an amazing album. Um, the whole record's great. But, um, but that particular song, I, I guess I put this album on when people come over and you want to put something on cool that people don't really know what it is. Yeah. But, you know, they're going to enjoy it. And um, yeah. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. So, no. You checked it out. Okay. So we came across them because we were in looking at people to try and work with, of course, like the name that every band that has kind of ever listened to Radiohead wants to work with Nig- Nigel Godrich and he did this record with this band who we'd never heard of and we were just listening through his back catalogue and we were like what is this thing that like never heard of it and the album itself is the whole thing is worth checking out but it's really i guess i don't even know how to describe it but to say for me there's always like i like pop music and i, I guess i'm saying pop music in the sense of if you trace the thread of the beatles sure. through as opposed to necessarily like commercially successful, because I don't think this was necessarily commercially successful, but it's it's that mix of acoustic and electronic elements together with great melodies and just I think it creates a world. I think for me, here we go magic as a, as a band, just have those kind of the palette that they go for and the colours that come about in the, the sounds and um, there's a lot of space in the music as well. Um, so I think it's yeah highly highly recommended for me.
1: Well, John, we make it easy for everybody to go and explore that because we put together uh, a Spotify playlist uh, to accompany the podcast with all your choices on, and obviously oh, awesome. uh, your music as well. So let's 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 talk about your music. What's happening?
2: So we've just finished a a record, and um, we're actually in London, sort of about to do a tour, but we're going to go and listen to the last few mixes. Um, cause we're getting it mixed by a guy who's based here in, in London. Um, and so we've, we've done this, like it was, I wouldn't, I really hesitate to call it a COVID project cause it wasn't that, but yeah. you know, when we, when the lockdown happened for us, which was kind of in early mid 2020, we thought, well, okay, we can't play shows right now, so let's just keep writing. And some of that started out remote cause we had to, you know, we were all in our houses, we couldn't get together. And then we just kind of built a body of material. And then when we had a few songs, we thought, let's just go and record these and see how they're sounding. And then we did three or four in the first session. And then we had to listen back and we're like, yeah, cool. Um, you know, I think we're we're, we're getting something, we're, we're sort of getting a bit of a theme developing here. And we just kept writing and we kept doing some recording blocks when we could between as some shows started to come back in Australia, we we get into live, um, we'd we'd sort of go back into the live side when there was some shows around and then we'd go back into the studio and sort of go back and forth, um, really over the past two years. Um, And then probably like the first four or five songs we recorded didn't make it. And then we we moved on and um, really kind of, um, really got like the first session that we actually kept the songs from was was in sort of late 2021. And so <coughs> some of those songs were actually written early, but we'd, we'd experimented with some more recent things end of 2020 and kind of gone, no, nah, not quite right. And so we were working in Sydney um, and we were producing ourselves. And so it took us a little bit to, I think, get our handle on that because in the past we've tended to co-produce or have a producer with us, but we wanted to do this one ourselves. Um, and we're really stoked with where it's where it's going we've we've just put a single out two weeks ago um whatever that means now putting a single out i guess you know some some radio people play it and it's available on spotify a song called just to be kind and for us i guess it's always um it's always chasing our interests at the time as far as the music we're making so um i think part of it was you you adapt to in a, in a remote situation, you sort of go, oh, how do we get things to feel good when we can't all get together and play? So sometimes we were throwing some electronic loops into, you know, if someone would have a set of chords they wanted to play and send around. And you sort of want to, instead of playing along to a click, 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 you sort of put a bit of a, a loop in there or make a little drum machine groove. And then sometimes that actually becomes part of the song. And so for us, as much as we tend to play the instruments ourselves we've actually got a bit of programming happening in this record and it's been nice to explore a different side because I think for us the marriage between and I think I mentioned it with some of the some of the songs we talked about when that marriage of the kind of organic acoustic instruments with the electronic elements when you can get those things to coexist in a way that um that really works with the story of the song and the melody, then it's uh, I think it's a really really exciting thing to listen
1: to for us. Wonderful. And and John, if people wanna keep up the speed with tour dates releases, where's the best place to do that? So
2: you can either just go via Instagram with Boy and Bear, and then there's links by there, but there's also our website, boyandbear.com.
1: Wonderful. Well, if it's cool with you, uh, we'll tag you in this um, on all the socials when this episode yeah. comes out. Um, John, firstly, thanks for giving up your time when you literally must be hanging and just trying not to fall asleep. I really appreciate no. the fact you've just landed and you've I've then literally just racked, made you rack your brain for, for answers and, and regressed you back to your childhood. So I really appreciate your, uh, your time. Uh, it's been a real, real pleasure talking to you, mate.
2: Thanks, June. I uh, really appreciate it, man. It was nice to chat, and it's you know you've kept me out of going to bed at three o'clock in the afternoon.
1: (laughs) Lovely. I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. There you go, boy and bear. Adorable. Was John? What a top fella. Absolute top drawer. Just landed from Australia. Gets back to the hotel, and it, when we pressed up, he actually thanked me uh, for for keeping him going and and not falling asleep uh, at three p.m. Uh, I mean, if any of you have ever done that Australia flight, uh, it's insane the jet lag. It's just impossible to keep your eyes open, uh, let alone be grilled by me about records and upbringing. Um, so yeah, absolute. Um, Love and respect for him for, for coming on and just having a good old chat. Thank you, you bloody lovely lot, for listening. It's much appreciated. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning the Patreon stuff. Go over there, get stuck in, and support the podcast for 20p a week. Um, it's really easy. You just go to patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. Uh, and yeah, just click support, and and it just does it. And you can stop at any time. Like, if you want to try it for a month and just go and feast on the back catalogue and then jog it on, um, whatever works for you. But, um, then Penny's going in the pot to to help with um, the putting together of this podcast. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm done. Um, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm done because I'm gonna go and have a cup of tea now, and then in 50 minutes, I'm back. I'm back in the uh, the whiffing, the little uh, garden shed studio type thing. Um, Recording with Everclear. I've got art from Everclear on. So um, I'm saying that now. What if you don't turn up? I'm going to really have embarrassed myself at the end of this episode. But um, that's the plan. Got loads more great episodes, by the way, coming your way. I've recorded some absolute crackers. um, And they'll all be coming soon. So um, subscribe if you don't already. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm back next time. See you soon. Bye-bye.